brother! Ben, it has been a couple of weeks since Luca dropped, and as ever, that means it is time to figure out how it fits into the Pixar theory. And the plot certainly thickens with Luca, as we are now starting to see the blended existence of monsters during the time of the humans. The Pixar theory, the Pixar theory, we're finally going to see clearly the Pixar theory. This video will contain spoilers for Luca and every Pixar movie. The Pixar theory, in case you are somehow unfamiliar, is the idea that every single Pixar movie exists in the same universe on one giant timeline. It all starts in The Good Dinosaur, when the asteroid misses the Earth, and we get our first glimpse at how other creatures on the planet could develop human-like intelligence. It shows the rise and fall of the humans, machines, and animals over millions of years, finally ending with Monsters Incorporated or Brave, depending on how you want to look at it. And Luca is a very interesting movie to include because whilst the stakes in the movie are not that high, you know, just like win a promotional pasta eating contest slash triathlon, or as I like to call it, a postathlon. I mean, I guess it also sends the message that loneliness can come from anywhere. So there's that. But what it offers the Pixar theory is huge. Because throughout the massive timeline that is the Pixar theory, there are two sections that are somewhat harder pills to swallow. The first being when the cars inherit the Earth, and the second being the transition from humans to monsters after the axiom returns at the end of Wally. -E. Now that said, the explanations in place are already perfectly plausible. Don't you worry about that. But Luca totally helps out by sanding off some of maybe the rougher edges on both of these situations. But before we get into all that, let's just first establish when in the Pixar timeline Luca is actually happening. Now, despite coming out in 2021, the movie actually takes place way before then, back in the 1950s, 60s era. This has actually been confirmed by the director himself, Enrico Casarosa, who said on Disney's Japanese Twitter that the movie takes place in the 1950s and 60s. But I think we can go in-universe to get even further clarification. First of all, there are just plenty of posters around the town referencing classic Italian cinema. And specifically, this woman is watching a movie called Big deal on Madonna Street, which came out in 1958, so it has to be taking place by at least after that. Then in the credits, we can also see Luca and Julia watching the moon landing on TV, which took place in 1969, so it's also maybe just a little bit before that. I mean, to be fair, that's a single sketch in the credits, but either way, I'm gonna say mid to late 60s, which is a very specific and important decade in the Pixar theory because it is when the supers were at their height, which to me also helps explain just a little bit more how the townsfolk at the end of the movie came around so quickly on the idea of sea monsters. I mean, look, nothing against the townsfolk and bravo to them for being so open-minded, but it is a lightning fast turnaround to go from having a statue of someone killing a sea monster in your town square to announcing that the winners of your annual postathlon are sea monsters. Postathlon, we're gonna have one at CastleCon. If you know, you know. But if you're alive during a decade where things like supers and superpowers are a thing, then yeah, I can see you maybe just being more open to supernatural stuff like this. And of course, we know everyone in the world does know about this because at the end of Incredibles 2, they have supers from all over the world. But moving on, another thing that actually lines up really nicely with the rest of the Pixar theory, and you might not have thought of this, is the cleanliness of the water. Because in other recent Pixar movies, which take place a little closer to the present, 
doesn't. The water is often horribly polluted if it is anywhere near humans, a sure sign of what is to come. And whilst Alberto was certainly doing his part to litter the ocean at the beginning of the movie, for the most part, it is very clean. But actually on that same note, let's also talk about the fish that Luca is shepherding around because you may have also noticed that the fish in this movie are, well, they're not nearly as smart as the fish in say, Finding Nemo. You may recall those fish were so smart they managed to drive a truck. Yeah, that happened. Here it is, it's happening. This happened, this was real, this happened. But so shouldn't the fish and Luca also be smart? Well, surprisingly, no. Despite some animals in the Pixar universe like rats or dinosaurs or fish gaining really high levels of intelligence, that is never true for animals that have been domesticated. You can see this with the chickens in The Good Dinosaur or Buster in Toy Story, or yes, the fish in Luca. Admittedly, the dogs in Up are kind of an exception here, but they are also really highly trained and also are still very much dogs. Squirrel! All in all though, Luca is very consistent with everything else that is happening in the Pixar Theory timeline at that time. But speaking of all in all, let's talk about Cars 2. Woo, yeah, give a like for that segue, am I right? Do it. Okay, so Pixar theory-wise, the cars inherit the Earth after BNL forces the humans to leave. They come to life by taking on the memories of their former owners and see the world through a carified lens. Human memories, of course, being the main source of life for pretty much everything else in Pixar besides humans. And this can take on a lot of different forms, whether it's scream energy, or your imaginary friend, or the toys coming to life, or literally keeping you alive in some version of the afterlife if you live in Mexico. That last one's from Coco, where as long as someone remembers you anywhere, you never experience what is known as the final death. But that's the theory for how the cars come to life, and Luca helps drive, huh? Kill him today, seriously, like button. At <laughs> home with the mystery of Alberto's father. We don't know much about Alberto's father other than that he abandoned Alberto and lived above water with him for some time away from town. But I also feel pretty confident his name was Bruno, which is the source of Alberto's shut up the voice in your head, you only live once, let's drive this rickety Vespa off a cliff into the ocean and just generally ignore gravity battle cry. Silencio Bruno. The idea here being that his dad used to tell him not to do a lot of stuff. Alberto, you can't. Alberto, you're gonna die. Alberto, don't put that in your mouth. But after being abandoned, Alberto rebels by refusing to listen to any warning echo from that voice in his head. Gravity! But anyway, all that's relevant because in Cars 2, there's a character named Bruno Motro, the French crew chief of Raoul Saru. He is otherwise a very minor character, except he is almost definitely the carified version of Alberto's father. And we don't know much about him, but everything we do know points that way. He plays the accordion, he likes romantic drives along the river Seine, and his favorite movie is The Engine of Dr. Motoro. The Engine of Dr. Motoro, though, is the carified version of the movie The Island of Dr. Moro which is a movie about a man creating human-animal hybrids, like, uh, I don't know, the sea monsters. And while the Seine is a river in France, it also has a second meaning as a fishing net, specifically the exact kind Alberto is almost caught in at the beginning of Luca. So, the idea is that the human Bruno caught Alberto's mother in a Seine fishing net, and then when she was above the surface, she of course just looked like a human. They fell in love, had 
San Alberto, and then she died, possibly at the hands of the townsfolk, who again have a statue of someone killing a sea monster in their town square. But that leaves Bruno to raise his son alone, which of course he has to do above the water because he is not a sea monster, hence why Alberto doesn't live underwater. And he almost definitely does not live underwater, like, at all, because him and Luca have never met, which is weird because Luca seems to know everybody in town. Good morning, Mr. Branzino. The point is, the similarities between Bruno Motoro's interests and the likely story of Alberto's father are so similar that it all but proves this is how the cars came to life. It also suggests that monsters and humans are similar enough to each other to actually reproduce, which could offer another explanation for how after people return to Earth from the Axiom, they start transforming into monsters from, you know, the blob people. Which to me seems perfectly possible, especially if they were able to survive under the water the entire time the humans were off in space and then re-emerged after the humans came back. And actually, there is some credence to that thought because whilst there's basically no non-carified creatures present in cars, there is one glaring exception. Crabs. I didn't want to hit a crab. We see in Finding Dory some crabs surviving in the pollution, but do you know how else you might be surviving? By being domesticated. And do you know who domesticates crabs? The sea monsters! I mean, honestly, there's almost no greater way to ensure your survival as a species than to be domesticated by humans. Or I guess in this case, creatures of human level intelligence. But if sea monsters survived underwater for the entire 700 years that humans were missing in space, then chances are their population is actually a lot greater than what returns on the Axiom. Like maybe enough to fully convert the entire species. I mean, we do know for sure that there are some versions of monsters that live specifically underwater. But the real question is, where did the sea monsters come from? Well, I have two options for you. First, we mentioned earlier that Luca takes place during the same time period as the Incredibles, and we know that some super's power is literally just to change forms. So it's possible the very first sea monster was just a super who had the ability to change into an underwater creature, and he passed that ability on so much that eventually there was just an entire community of sea monsters. Which I think would be a pretty interesting take because it would mean the sea monsters were all actually humans first and sea monsters second, they just fully adapted to the sea monster side of things and decided to live underwater. Which would still add up because indeed supers were driven underground for a while, or I guess in this case, underwater. They are living among us. Average citizens, average heroes. The other option though, and I kind of like this one a little bit better, is that the earliest sea monster was actually a banished monster. And the reason I like this idea a little bit more is because we actually already know of a banished sea monster. Loch Ness, Bigfoot, the abominable snowman. They all got one thing in common, pal, banishment. Now, granted Loch Ness is in Scotland, not Italy, but I don't really see that as much of an issue because they can just banish monsters to more than one location, which is for sure a fact because Mike and Sully get banished to the Himalayas, which is very, very not a lake in Scotland. It is where the abominable snowman is banished though. Welcome to the Himalayas. Meaning the monsters are happy to reuse the same door for for this exact purpose, which could explain the large number of inhabitants living off of the coast of this town. But even so, you might be thinking, but gosh, that is a lot of banished sea monsters. Like why are so many of them breaking the rules and getting exiled? But the reason for their banishment, I think is actually pretty obvious. And maybe banishment is just the wrong word. It's more like, 
relocation. But they need to be relocated because if they ever come above the water, they look like humans. And you may have noticed this about the monsters, but they are like, uh, super afraid of humans. 2319, we have a 2319. <laughs> Heck, that would even explain the setting of the Italian Riviera. I mean, if they're gonna relocate you from your home time period, the least they can do was put you up somewhere nice, am I right? That would mean, however, though, that the monsters are actually responsible for their own creation because they're the ones who send the monster back in time to begin with, which would mean then that the future had already happened and was somehow fixed, like on a loop. Oh, that does sound familiar though. What did we say about human memory earlier? That as long as someone remembers you anywhere, you can never experience the final death? Right, yes. So in order then to make sure that someone never truly dies, you would have to find a way to create a permanent memory of them, which, which you could do if you found a way to live in the past and remember something from the future that had not happened yet. At, right? Then from the past, you could set events in motion that would ensure you always eventually remembered the same person again so they would never die. And if that's ringing a bell somewhere in the distant memory of your mind, it should be because it's exactly what Boo, aka the witch, is doing to make sure that Sully is never forgotten and never has to experience the final death. Everything is part of the Pixar theory. But there you go, guys. That is how Luca fits into the Pixar theory. I'm curious, what do you think? Is it more likely that the sea monsters are supers or that it's a monster being banished from the future? Let me know your thoughts in the towel section down below. You guys, thanks as always for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Pixar theory action from us. If you want to see how Soul fits into the Pixar theory, you can check out this video right here. Or if you want to see how anything fits into the Pixar theory, we have an entire playlist right here. But Ben, that's all I've got for you today, man. Until next time, I will see you in another life, brother.